Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. A retrospective. You were defeated. Left for dead. All is ashes. Your heart stirs. Your broken body numbing with the rage of retaliation. Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliation. A new board game set in the world of darkness created by the same team behind Vampire the Masquerade Chapters. Flyos. Imagination leaping ahead. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 Years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi everybody. Welcome to 25 years uh, and you know what show this is. I about did it again, Nick. I'm sorry. Uh, but of course this is werewolf. We, we promise it's werewolf. <laughs> it's habits, man. You can't, you can't shake them. You can't break them. You do it for a long time. You hear it repeated. So it's terrible. It's terrible, but we're going to yeah. break the trend right here. Um, Nick, thank you for accompanying me, man, as always. I do appreciate these werewolf reviews with you. Yeah, yeah, always. It is a thing. And, of course, I'm me. I thank myself for being alive. I mean, that's pretty good uh, every day. And uh, that's about as awkward as I'm going to make that. And we can... can I could dance. I could dance for you. You could, but no one else can see it right now. And one day we will correct that. (laughs) And that would be the joy. I mean, I'm dancing right now. You just don't know. (laughs) And our weird nude ritual before pod and during is the is the odd part. But the uh, the, the situation here is uh, tenable. Here we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna just jump back to this. Um, what we're <laughs> gonna do from the Silver Fang Tribook perspective, folks, is that we're gonna try to number one um, make this as awesome and easy to listen to as possible. But a caveat: we're mm. reviewing the book. What we're not doing is educating you on all the minutia contents in here. There's a lot of feed forward we've gotten from folks that they missed that educational piece. I, I, folks, that's why we have a Patreon. Um, we have that so you can go there and give those thoughts and ideas of what podcasts our patrons would like to hear that goes over more educational pieces for the material from our perspective. We actually do that so that our patrons actually govern what's interest, what's of value, and what they want, and they get what they ask for. That is the goal, if, of course, at all possible, and usually it is, very much so, uh, depending if it's just yours truly going in depth that people are looking for, or an educational piece of how to do LARP or whatever. That's what we do. That detail aside, that's what you got to know clearly what this is for. Now, the tribook then, what are we doing? We're coming from your angle, actually. That's the point of the review. We're fans of the tribook, of the work, of the material that it comes from. But should you get this book? And does this book hit the mark? And what do we mean the mark? Mark, as always, is this a value to include in your library? First and foremost, should we have this book at all? And reason being, this book is supposed to tell us how to play a silver thing. That's why you get a tribe book or a clan book. Hey, what are they about? What does it do? So that's the first question that we're going to say. The second question, is this relevant material to current? What do we mean by that? Werewolf 20 is the most latest edition that's out. Is this book going to help you understand it better? Or does Werewolf 20 hit it already? You don't need this book at all. That's a valid question, right? And third and f- foremost, if you were going to decide to play a Silver Fang and a friend sit down and says an interesting tribe book, is it possible from start to finish with the layout, format, artwork, everything, to hand this book to them and them understand how to play a Silver Fang book from that perspective? So, mm. 
in ease of usage, we're going to sum all this up. Is the book of worth to get? Is it easy to use and understand? And can anyone use it? Or do you have to be a lore expert to use it? And we're going to answer those questions over the course of the review, hopefully. And at the same time, it's Nick and me. We're going to talk about it, but we're not trying to win you over. This is clearly <laughs> our perspective on it. And you're, you're open to participate in the discussion. Reach out to us in multiple media efforts and however you do. We list those here in the pod as well. So, without further ado, Nick, help me out. Give me a pause here. What's the opening comic about in this uh, Silverfame book that we still, we still see as a common theme? Uh, from the, from actually, oddly enough, from kind of the way that I interpreted this, this is actually a dream had by someone of, of an event in which uh, they send a, a young lady named Celeste uh, to this, uh, this cairn that has fallen in the Aral Seas. And it's a comic book just kind of going through her adventures there. Um, she, she goes through the cairn, discovers um, some, well, some worm-ridden uh, foulness that has taken over the cairn. That's usually what happens when a cairn falls. Um, <laughs> but uh, she, uh, yeah, she, she handles uh, some black spiral dancers, uh, some worm foes. She recovers these, uh, these writings of, uh, of this, this dead fellow. Um, fellow tribe member, and uh, and notice that he's untainted. So she's uh, immediately it's curious, but it's all encoded. So she has to bring it back, you know, almost like in a in a James Bond esque uh, scenario. And and it kind of works out too because she's in one of those like skin tight, you know, like <laughs> Catwoman sneak suits the whole time. Anyways, you get some uh, you get some cool fights going on in here, and then she uh, she basically comes back with the pay data and uh, and delivers that run successful. <laughs> Meets with the right, Johnson. They translate it. <laughs> <laughs> they translate it, and that and that pretty much fills the details of what the rest of the book is. Now, here's some interesting things about this. Where right? I dug deep, I like to see this and where they came, what it came from, when it is. But I wanna, I wanna point something out. We just talked about how relevant is this book to hand to someone and get them to get it. For Nick, this is brand new. Like he saw the tribe book, read it, went through it. What's his yep. impression? I enjoy that. You know, that's part of the reason Nick's here is uh, because it's you know. Super intelligent guy, definitely loves the material, is a fan. Cool. He reads the tribe book. You just heard his take. Now, there are those of you screaming that you know who that character is. That, of course, is Celeste walks the spiral backward. Right? She's mentioned in this very book at the end, and we know that's her. We also know the fall of the Aral Sea Cairn isn't a dream. Right? You're watching the aftermath of it, which is what she gets sent to to see what's going on. Right? They talk about the shadow curtain in that comment coming in. This is the coming of Baba Yaga. And the army of night and all that mm. stuff kicking in. And that's what they're kicking off right here. And they'd show you this in this comic. But I am not a layman when it comes to using this material. And however, Nick's not a layman. He's a fan and a user of it. But to see what was left here, yeah, very much so. When I first read this tribe book, I was like, who the hell is this chick? And then here was, here was my take of it. I actually found notes of to bring up to my, uh, my ST when I read this tribe book, which was just rare to do. I actually had them stuffed away in an email I sent to myself. It's ancient as hell. And why I did it, number one, was because I used to be a person who was definitely a cane bro. When I, when I read rules or new content that came out, whatever, I had a storyteller chastise me in-game with a Shadow Lord because I didn't understand the Silver Fang perspective. Well, what do you think mm. I did? I ran out and bought this fucking tribe book and then came at him and went, okay, 
let's start. And I read this super heated, hateful thing back from ages ago <laughs> that I sent in where I was like, man, I'm going to nail him with facts and figures. Totally glad I'm not that dickhead anymore, by the way. But the point is, <laughs> it took time and effort. And uh, here's the thing. I said in there that I still hold this true. This comic hits like she's an assassin badass taking on a pack of BSDs alone. Yeah. Right? It is exactly the way it, it kind of rolls out. You know, it's... Uh, I would say if you look at the comic, the comic is maybe... Um, the pains are, are probably 60% her cutting, slashing, hacking, dodging, du- duck dip diving, you know, and then the other stuff is, look what I found. And it, it, that that's the whole comic. <laughs> but it makes sense because we also got to remember, not only is she a famous Silver Fang that kind of goes around and does deeds of this caliber, right? She's a member of the Gleaming Eye on top of it. They're a ruthless, hard-nosed group uh, that's out in like Scandinavia, northern parts uh, unknown. And she, she's billed out as this because she's a badass ragabash. She's also really kind of an unknown. And what we mean by unknown... Yeah, you know of her, and certainly your leaders and elders know of it and know the relationships with it, but it's not like she walks around and she trained you to be what you are. So mm-hmm. she seems to be peckless. Like they don't they didn't create her to have a peck. This is the Fatima Al Fakati for the Asamite clans given to you in the <laughs> Silver Fang format. It's exactly worth and actually predates. I feel she came first. Later on you had the idea of making these type of characters for vampire clans in such a capacity. That almost super heroic heroine and possibly awesome person. This is Celeste. However, she has a fantastic point in this comic. It's everything's done to highlight a significant event in Werewolf. And the Arrow Sea Cairns fall that they're pointing out here is because mm-hmm. that flaming chalice old boy drinks from is the reason this tribe book was made. And we'll get more on that yep. in a second. Um, but also what she does here for the comic, she glorifies Claviscar. And Silverfang badassery, but undermines the strength of a pack. Now, what's Claviscar? This is the Silverfang clave dueling. And actually, it's not theirs. It's werewolf. It's Guru Nation uh, ways of resolving disputes internally. You do it with a silver knife. It's a spiritual fetish. Uh, that's a, It's a war weapon, right? A war spirit's bound into it. You can use silver against each other. And basically, this is how we settle our differences. Werewolf to werewolf. And we'll do it in front of everyone. Challenges men. This is not always... How a master of the right will deem a challenge will be resolved. But if things are too personal and it's 1v1 or we need a champion of a house to decide an affair, you get the idea. Duels are duels are duels. And they have a dueling culture in the guru. This is it for them. But the Silver Fangs are masters of Claviscar. This is a martial must for any Silver Fang. However, so are the Shadow Lords. And you begin to see this rivalry develop between the two. Interesting enough, though. Celeste is a ragabash. And so a lot of people don't get a ragabash's purpose and don't see what goes on. But what we see here is an infiltrator, someone who's gathering information, someone who quickly can debilitate and destabilize an enemy, hitting them in their weak points, right? She's going through and assassinating, hitting people when they're vulnerable. It's not a straight-up fight. Wiping out uh, BSD packs systemically where she's at. She also does a moment here where they, she looks into the Umbra to see if she can approach that way. And sees just how yeah. foul and corrupted it is and comes back. But then she says something that I felt was, what the hell is wrong with you? Whereas by the great talons of Horus, I believe is the quote that she yells out. <laughs> and I said, this bitch is Silent Strider. What the? Why are you saying anything about Horus and where does this come from? And then I have to pump the brakes. There's a master of the right here. I had to dig, right? This is why we're going deep on here. 
I had to dig to find out Uh-oh. this information, right? There's a guy, Master of the Right, who got wounded here and survived the Arrow Sea Cairn attack and its enrage across Egypt. And his name is Kolia Blood of Iron. And I only know the name Kolia Blood of Iron because I played the Rage card game. And I, and I remember the artwork of the name when I saw it, and I was like, wait a second. Oh, this is that dude's story. Oh, yeah! And I had to go look it up, and of course it's there. And it describes how basically um, he survived to kind of tell the tale of the Great Shadow Curtain and how the Arrow Sea Cairn got its thing. But he's in Egypt now. And we're going to leave that there because that doesn't tell you that in the Silver Fang tribe. But I want to let you know if you want to know more about that. That's clearly why it was mentioned. And that is there's a relationship here. Right? Between Horus and whatever and how they view it. Because also, Horus is, ironically, if you think about it, just for a second, we got uh, we got falcons everywhere with the silver fangs, right? You know, you can use terms all you like. That uh, there's that spirit, there's an aviary, there's a hierarchy of spirits and all that stuff. Um, Horus touches on that. Right? It's, it's in there. Mm. Just because the regional difference is there, part of that is there. Honor, truth, law, it's there. And so I was like, okay, let's back down the horses a bit. But remember, I'm also trying to reason with Angry Bob from back in the day. Like, I threw that up there, and it was just, it was just retard. I hate that term, but it's literally ridiculous, unthought commentary that I am too embarrassed to let anybody directly see. But I'm letting you know that it is, uh, it, it's in me. And that's, and that's what was there, and it was bad. Uh, but I said it because I was really mad. Transference, right? I was mad at my scathing talk that I didn't know something. And so this comes back from the LARP days where you were expected to be an expert in the info. And then I said, oh, yeah, I got a podcast now. And, you know, back to the point. So we come back from that and we look at the Silver Fang tribook and I said, the comic's valid. We knew it was valid. For, for people who were deep into it, we knew it. For new people, not as clear. But it still showcases a lot of cool things about the Silver Fangs. There's the clave and the usage of the clave, which is good. There's the fact that they're in Russia. And, and Russia is a, is a home turf for the Silver Fang for, for a long time. And uh, that's, that's where they have and what they go on. They had plenty of hardships there dealing with the worm and otherwise. And so they're still there swinging and uh, checking it out. So that's good to note it. But it also points out the Iron Curtain came. The Shadow Curtains came, I should say. And the Arrow Sea mm-hmm. Cairn paid that price and let them know what was going on. So this kickstarts understanding it's bad now for the Silver Fangs over here. And here's that correspondence. But then we roll into what this tribe book is and the contents. And I want to point out something real quick. You're going to find a lot of Russian culture in here as a book. Why I was hesitant to do this book is because of that. We know what's going on now. We're not going to even bring that up other than to say, you're going to find a lot of cool things here that they, that they researched for Russia. I think a lot of the, a lot of the content, the writing, the style of writing, the, the font usage in this book and the photos are pretty cool uh, to highlight some aspects of it. And then some of it gets just weird. Right there's that there's that photo or not not a photo but that drawing where it shows like a, a wolf head on a clearly would have been a Jesus uh, yeah. figure and on the right there's the religious iconography but then there's a wolf paw on the left and you're like what are we talking about is this the Pope Saint Wolf and we don't know what it is and that's there right or, or the one where it shows like the uh, like the the Russian forces from like 1917 like world war one all like they just came out of the trench but there's a head of a werewolf on a pike right right in the middle of the picture like as they're all gathered around it, it gets okay interesting and it's and it gives the feel that they're taking um cultural snapshots and compiling it into a book and we we know of this like later on if you've uh well if you've been listening to a requiem podcast this is the theme this is the theme that gets used again and redone for requiem clan books but to stay focused on werewolf, what we have here 
is a Silverfang book that is supposed to be between really two scholars, Nick. And, and what are we dealing with? Yeah, so uh, the the two scholars that kind of go back and forth. One is uh, is Thomas Abbott, who's the guy who's done, who's had the unfortunate job of translating this deciphered code that that kind of came through, and he's the one who had this this dream of uh, of, of Celeste going to the Arrow Sea Cairn and finding all this stuff um, that that kind of gets detailed out in the intro comic. And uh, and she comes back and she's like, "Yeah, sure, shit. Here's all the here's all the stuff you said I would find. Uh, here's all the the dead people you said I would find. It's all here." And he's like, "But I can't read a word of it." And so he like goes through it. And he's like, "Okay, well, this is like gibberings of a madman. Let me decipher it." He does, and then he starts to uh, to kind of like post this information, which he thinks is a, a call to action for the Silverfang tribe in a time of need. Uh, but there's another fella named. Uh, Piotr uh, speaks the past, uh, who who says, "Well, this is all nonsense, and you're defaming our clan by spreading this nonsense." We can tell already that this guy was high on this uh, this Firebird uh, chalice, and uh, and when he wrote all this stuff down, he was seeing visions. Clearly, in a mind altered state. Clearly, this stuff doesn't make sense. Let me explain to you all the ways in which you're ruining the good name of our clan by bringing this stuff up. <laughs> and that's basically the history of, of Silverfang and how it's presented in here in this back and forth exchange between we should be ashamed of these things and how dare you say we did that. It's, it's, it's interesting. I'm, uh, I was just going back to the part of, like, you keep saying it's a dream. Um, I'm, I'm just saying, did you catch how they were just using, uh, this is uh, the words of the abbot, right? This is Thomas Abbot, the steward of the Lodge of the Sun. Yeah. His high dialect, which is what they were trying to land with that writing, that's, it wasn't a dream of what she did. That comic is what she did. She was dispatched based on a dream that he had. It could be either way. Right? Who's to say? It's, it never well, really well, verifies well, one way or well, the, the book, other. The book does say that. No, no, the book does say that he did dream <laughs> that. And that was what she was sent on. It's, uh, here's here's, so here's what we're talking way. about, folks. In his letter, he says, in the history, Celeste. It's a correspondence to Celeste. It says, Celeste, again, I find myself in a position where I must thank you. I realized that the dream I had was, as you said, the flimsiest fabrication for you to dance the edge of the shadow curtain. In this, he's indicating the flimsiest fabrication. He had a dream of something that sent he, he wanted to dispatch her out there to go see what was going on. That's what he's saying. I'm, I, I'm scared. Can you please go look into this? However, and he goes, he continues, however, I could not ignore the dream in which I saw you dispatched to the Aral Sea. Now, that's not saying he had a dream where he watched her go to the Aral Sea. What he's mentioning is that the dream was so bad, he couldn't ignore it, and that's why he sent her there. He is of rank in position to have her sent to check on that Karen. That's what he's saying. He says, I only knew it, I only knew from it that Nicholas was dead and that his words had to reach us somehow. So he had a portent, is what it is, that Nicholas had died. Can you please go confirm? Which is everything that a Ragabash would get sent to do of her caliber, right? It's something dangerous. The Arrow Sea Karen isn't responding. It's all quiet. I'm scared. Can you please look into this for me? And she was like, yeah, vague as that is, sure. I'll, right. But then, of course, she goes there and <gasps> the shadow curtain and the letters of Stanek that were left there because that's what she finds there, right? She finds the letter from Stanek and then it, you're, you're allegedly holding the letters as you read the tribe book. Which is yep. my take on it. 
I actually appreciate the fact that you're like, no, nah, it's a dreamy head. And I'm sitting here well, going. I, the only, I, I can tell you the reason why I think that. And it's only because of the order of the layout, right? So it makes sense that you have the dream, then you have the missives, and then, you know, because it, it's, it's an order of sequence, right? Because it, it opens with, hey, I had this dream. I'm sorry that it's that I'm telling you I sent you on this dangerous mission because I had a dream. But rank five, see you later. <laughs> you know, and it's and it's also, um, but but you have a point here in the saying that it feels weird because you're reading now the letters that Stanek wrote, and they seem very yeah. off. But this too is explained in there because he drank from the Firebird Chalice and then he wrote based on this dream yeah. he had. That's where his dream. And we've seen we've seen stuff like that before. It's called the Book of Revelations. Yes, like don't get huffed up and start writing stuff down. You never know what's going to come out. Which is an interesting take, right? Because what they're doing is the writers built in the, you can't say this is canon. Off the bat, they build it in. Yep. Because Stanek is going through going, after drinking from the Firebird Chalice, I was in the talons of Great Falcon, and Falcon flew me above the events of our entire history, past, present, and future. <laughs> and in this, the great things were revealed, the truths given to me, I now scroll down on paper, in a corrupted cairn. In a cairn currently being corrupted by the worm. In a cairn where your super assassin Ragabash badass dropped in and picked up these letters. Did he write them? Did he not write them? And then I sat there and went, screw you, authors. We yep. wanted a book. Because even at this point, it's, you're still wondering, like, if there's the only person who can translate these, these lost, recovered visions of madness coded letters is Thomas Abbott. Who may be spinning it to his own. Who may have been uh, half-ass, falling. Right. There's people who walk the spiral, and then there's people who do the conga line as they get information down the spiral. <laughs> Which one is he? I'll leave you to decide. But I, I drank the fire water. Here's the worm, and here's my story. Right? It's like, okay. So she recovers the letters and comes back. We'll stop. We'll stop funning. At least... For a few seconds. Anyway, so gets the letters and comes back and he's like, hey, I now have the truth. Right? In one letter, he sums up the entire tribe book, right? You don't even table a contents. He's like, <laughs> I saw the dawn of ages and the wrongs done therein where we were proven to be the first and best of Gaia. And there, there was the impergium and the tragedy that that was and the shame we may or may not have because he never confirms we should have it. Then there's the concord of our might and right to rule but is ruling a burden or is it not a burden and to move on and the horano that we would have but screw that we leave that for the black spirals instead we drink of madness <laughs> which isn't our fault it might be due to inbreeding but screw you we're pure it isn't at the point it's like hold on pump the brakes stanic you're high as it gets right you're high as a spirit can fly and you're just shooting off at the mouth and that's why it's so interesting you have a third scholar, which you, you mentioned his name already, uh, Speaks to the Past, I think is the name. Is that, I have that right? Yeah, Speaks to the Past. This old boy's chiming in and just dunking on what, what he's writing, right? He says, basically, Nicholas Static is over here waxing poetic at some crazy stuff. We told, that Deirdre's told, don't drink that Firebird chalice, he did it anyway. He was warned of what could happen, yep. he did it anyway. Now he's, yep. now he's just, oh, this is all truth. Okay, okay. Hey, uh, Thomas. You're sitting here with your little book. You're like going, this is what happened from the Lodge of the Sun. Dispatched to all Silverfang houses. Terrible truths therein. Judge as you like. And then you have Speaks to the Past going, judge as I like. What are we, children? 
But you, you can read this and read this as incredibly biased and ridiculous. What facts are we to get from this? And it's like, okay, cool. Let's let's not let's not debase ourselves by playing tit for tat, right? So this is the nature of the book that we're talking about. It goes back and forth. That alone is the wisdom of the authors. They didn't write this to be a boring read. They wrote it to be an entertaining mm-hmm. piece for you to make multiple tribal characters out of the Silver Fang to, to quench any level of thirst you have to play this werewolf tribe. And so to that end, it answers a question. Can this be a guidebook to, for a character? It absolutely can, especially Silver Fang oriented, whether you're incredibly pragmatic or you're the high, high as the lofts can take you and lodge of the moon, which we'll get to later, or you're going to be very practical <laughs> and law oriented and follow that of the sun. Or, you want it simpler, Stanek, who's the Theurge, right? You have uh, uh, the mm-hmm. abbot himself, which I believe is a, he's a Galliard, right? Not even a fellow, it's a Galliard that, that recorded the tale here. Um, I believe that's the abbot. He's steward of the Lodge of the Sun, House Wormfoe. I believe it's Galliard. Yeah. We'll leave it there now. Um, but then you have the, the cool Ragabesh that went out there to get the information at all, and they conveniently don't give you an out with an hour do you know how that works? And I believe speaks to the past is a philodox who's, who's chiming in anyway, correcting it. But um, I, I didn't see a strong Arun candidate, but do you need one when you know what House Wormfoe is? Now, for those of you who don't know, I mentioned House Wormfoe before, but there's a, um, there's a book called The Silver Crown that details the events that leads up to the uh, awesome story of what is, of course, uh, House Wormfoe's champions, King Albrecht. You know, his humble origins, who participates in his past he gets skin blah 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 arkady the whole nine this this all is silver fang enriched in a cool tale ramping up to it which is all part of the canon they have going on which is why i enjoyed that book thoroughly really puts in perspective what goes on but that's again not in this tribe book is it alluded to yes but i promise you the people who did those novels took this book's creation into consideration because this book serves as a as a uh, a book to guide you Right, so if you see a term in the in the novel, you don't understand it. You can research it, turn around, look at the Silver Fang Tribe book, and get what they were gleaming to or glossing over to help out, mm. and that makes it pretty cool and an enjoyable read for those who really want to get into it. But incredibly, incredibly side segue there. My apologies. D- to circle back around, when you said uh, that you're not seeing, it, are you talking? There's not like an Ah Rune voice in this book for for people to use as an example correct because i feel they hit all the other auspices brilliantly which oh no worries no worries the entire next chapter (laughs) the rothschild all uh, right but what i'm saying is is that the uh the impression that you get from that they don't lead with that first so far there's a lot of arun speech that gets to like i'm thinking of the get a friendless red talon aggressive tribes lead with an aggressive appeal right that's not Silverfang. Yep. Silverfang's the first book that comes across that tries to label to you a level of neutrality. Right? In mm. order. Order? Order. Order. Right? This is what I'm hammering home, that this is kind of their appeal. But uh, that, the Arun voice where we do have Aruns, not here yet. But also that's part of their culture too, right? We don't need to talk to you about Aruns. All of us are good with weaponry and claviscar. We even picked up firearms just in case. You know, some would call it a dirty trick, but we'll leave the Shadow Lords <laughs> to undermine Because we've been us. known to fight dirty yes. with firearms. We shan't be ruined. <laughs> dirty tricks. Anyway, so we could go off on that. But the point is, <laughs> I, I can't look at this book and not feel that, right? It's, uh, which means to me it's well written from what they were trying to throw in. However, 
incredible, incredible segues here. Um, getting back to it, so we got Thomas Abbott, we have his writings, he goes through in the book, but I want to get to what he's talking about here. When it mentions the first ones, and we're talking in the dawn of ages, yeah. that he throws this at, um, which is the origin story, right? What, do you, what did uh-huh. you think of the dawn of ages? Like, his, his perspective as he was throwing it out there, and to, to be specific, he generalizes and says, it talks about the king and queens of Guru, right, in the dawn of ages, mm. burdened with leadership and the secrets of death, the claim to be the oldest of Guru, firstborn yeah, of the first yeah, wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, you knew that was going to happen, right? <laughs> no shocker there. I, every every tribe book history we've seen so far, uh, it, it always kind of each uh, tribe paints themselves in the best possible light of of their lineage, and no one's more proud of their lineage than Silverfangs. So we knew right away that they were going to have some outrageous claims about how they they're the chosen ones from the first wolf. The part that really was kind of weird was the uh, was the you know the straddles between worlds type thing, where this uh, this wolf was, had already died and then came back and and somehow his his fur was now bleached white you know from the experience like that kid from it. And but it, it there, there's a lot to that, right? Even to Gloucester, like to pick <laughs> your brain, it's like okay, so Stanek, you said that there were the first ones, and we're talking about Gaia, Helios, Luna primordial forces this is back to what you and i talked about yeah when when he talks about first ones that way that's exactly what he's talking about he's talking about uh like celestines i guess is the best way of putting that you know the highest of the highest of the highest in the spiritual order but that gaia helios and luna Gaia is not the end-all, be-all source of all life equals equals right. that's what he's saying prim- he's saying they're equals Boom. wow how a lot of people might be pissed about that statement. Some tribes would vehemently disagree. But can you? Right, he's referring that if Gaia's the Earth and everything says it's the Earth representation, and there she is, and that's what she is, she might be the source of life, because certainly all life sits on her as we know it. Fine. But then the moon and the sun. These are yep. equal planetary bodies existing in a system. And immediately I went, so this is what it's called when creatures of pure instinct suddenly gain intellect and they're trying to rationalize what they're looking at. Right, And that mm. urgency, that energy to know and understand is answered by a spirit world that has yet to form and know what form to take. Right, It's like a dream births a dream that becomes a reality, is what they're kind of expressing here, 100%. Then we said it was Gaia, and therefore it was. And then we said Helios is Helios, and then it was. Luna, therefore, was Luna, and there it was. Enough of us agree, so there it is. All right, Stanek. Yeah. I'm with you. But in this muck of whatever is this or that, you also had kings and queens developed from wolves. And that look in your face, that consternation look you have right now, Nick, is what I said as well. Uh, yeah. Right? Because it wasn't yeah. good enough that you were wolves and you had a hierarchy already. We know an instinctual hierarchy. There will be alphas. You know, there will be those primed to breed the strongest of us to have more, and that's that. And at this point, we're all of one wolf. That's what it is. There's not even a contest of that in what he's saying. In fact, he says, we were the firstborn of the first wolf to say we were the first pup that came out. But therefore, who yeah. was the first wolf then? I mean, uh, so obviously the first wolf was a, was a creation of Gaia in the same way that all the other creatures that, that went to rescue Gaia went. So, I mean, well, let's dive into that. Might as well. So, so Gaia has a rough go at it. She gets attacked by the darkness. 
Um, not not the the dude with the big horns from the legend, but she gets a, she gets attacked by a, a darkness. <laughs> Might as well have been with the level of description they've given. Uh, you know, so she ends up uh, having to crawl into the navel of the world, like under the 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 world tree and all this other kind it's of weird even stuff. Even worse that they, than that, right? Um, just to, just to describe that process. She talks about the animal lords that tried to come to her defense, right? Because she was kidnapped. So this is. This is the part that, that yeah, got me. Yeah, this is what I'm getting at. Like you're stolen and you're dragging to you're dragged to the navel of the world, which you know whatever that means, right? I, I'm 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 taking that as Umbra. So well, sure, sure, right? I'm with you because well, I'm with you on that. Yeah. But like, what was Gaia walking around an innocent maiden, granting life with word and whim? She was just this is and Ga- over here. So first Australia. of all, yeah, Gaia is not like a like a like a, a fairy dryad like fluttering around, oh, you know, somewhere where someone could just throw a net over her <laughs> oh she isn't because is that not <laughs> what she described they described the worm as being or the worm was around but there was something worse than the worm yeah. the vast darkness you mean just space like night yeah, yeah. but it was bad i, I don't right know. and here's tim curry I mother night i shall collect all because the sun sucks and i'm a night owl and here's gaia no somebody help me and out of nowhere the animal lords dun, 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 we come to defend gaia but what happens not you wolf you suck you stay here Right by the power of bear, stag, and crow, we shall get you. <laughs> the power of the forest panda, raccoon shall defeat this evil. <laughs> what? Okay, so we're we're with you, Stanic. This is a clearly where yeah. the what's going on. But Nick, did you catch that very weird statement? Okay, we're dragging her to the world navel, but here's the part where everyone's confused. Guy is the Earth Mother, and she's the Earth. What do you mean, drag uh-huh. her to herself? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, buddy. Okay. I uh, I, hey, we've had a taste of of the Firebird Chalice at this we point. Have. So I mean, <laughs> we're we're probably seeing all kinds of things that don't make a whole lot. We're of in sense. that sobering after party of really, I did that. That's this where we're at. Stanick, we're speaking for him. So <laughs> it's somebody showing you a video <laughs> on their cell phone. You're like, oh shit. Well, delete that. So so that's that angle. But like the weirdest part yet is when they talk about the fact. That the darkness's lair is beneath the roots of Yggdrasil, the world tree. And that's where I lifted yeah. the needle off and went, hang on a second. We're talking about time before time. Religion's not even invented. It's not even there. We're 100% animalistic. And you have time to what? Wedge in Norse myth. Just, just chuck in this, hey man, don't forget. So what are you yep. saying? That we're in the time of Vikings. And they're the ones who witnessed this. They just stood by. Shield in hand, swords were clashing with all sorts of people. We're raiding England. But uh, don't forget, Gaia's being trapped, housed by a great evil, because it was primordial, then Gaia, and then this trapping, and, you know, oh, Yggdrasil, that's... That's... I was willing to forgive all that. You know, I really was. The part that really messed with me was that all it wanted to do was have her sing and then feed off of it. Look, look, I agree with that, but you you can't tell me it didn't annoy you enough that, okay, you're going to mention the first wolf, but you can't give it a name. Because it would be Fenra by what you're talking about. The first wolf. Well, would hey, be hey, 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 hey. Let's not say let's not say things right. like that. Fenris, though. You're talking about Yggdrasil is where she got dragged, and you gotta take <laughs> you, you gotta take it both. You can't take this Havsies. You can't go toe in, maybe. No, come on, fool. Like we're we're yet, yeah, Stanic. You know, 
if if speaks the past were here right now the words he would say to you you dragging his clan through the mud by saying things like they were birthed from fenris but don't forget how dare but you don't forget he'd throat you for calling the tribe a clan just remember that how dare you vampire oh, yeah, boy yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so, so but okay yeah like you said back to that point this vast evil that darkness is more terrible than the worm they hint at it, it drags her below and wait a minute nick you said uh, what it, it wanted her to sing yeah that's what it said i mean you're putting this on me i just i'm just reading it here it says the darkness made gaia sing that's what it said <laughs> was the uh it was the manner in which it drained her essence i mean i've uh i've been forced to sing before and i did find it soul-sucking to a little bit you know like nobody wants to have to perform like especially if they're not in the mood but every once in a while you've had a couple of uh of drinks in you and there's a hot beat going on behind you and you get in the but mood what, what tells me is that before michael jackson there was gaia and michael jackson's dad was busy he was called the darkness now why is that get in this cave and make a hit and you're not coming out until and you belt and sing and belt and sing or i'll get you to belt and then i'll make you sing give me a hit right that's what i thought of like this abusive thing and she's down there like oh please help me not that song nobody likes it anymore primordial get more tribal too much where's the lyrics and they're beating her and they're draining her and then what does the wolf do right everybody well first off it says the animal lords yeah, tried right. and couldn't get it done i'm trying to imagine yeah. the well, effort they all went down there and they got uh they got smoked they, went, well, they got smoked like it was a bad but they didn't get smoked you're giving them an honorable out there like they tried and they couldn't do it and as i took it bear went to the hole and went well i can't fit down there oh that's true <laughs> that's true and falcon went i got wings like i sure could fly down there but what's that gonna do and then fox is like well i could go but are there chickens there so on and so forth you know what did the great bull do the bull went Meh. like come on like what, what exactly were we dealing with like no pig could handle it nothing like you went through the whole cadre of animal lords because they imply that for every animal there's an animal lord okay yeah. but you told wolf sit over there pal you're not needed because you're not good enough you're just not the caliber of the rest of the animal oh. lords so then it gets to that weird point where where it starts to where we've heard stuff like this before right so you know obviously they're no good but wolf will, wolf will do the job because it's it's our story and we're the hero damn it <laughs> so wolf goes down there and he sneaks around he doesn't attack the darkness known as ike he, turner he uh he takes shelter right <laughs> he uh he takes he takes shelter in the darkness and then uh and then he sneaks up on it and while he's uh while he's in there saying no dinner for you until you get a gold <laughs> record and, and guys over there like oh, i can fly <laughs> and he's like not good enough <laughs> wolf is just kind of sneaking around and he gets an opportune moment and he he sees the heart of darkness and and he bites it and uh and he says finally you know and the darkness is thrashing you know doing his uh his death throws and uh and you know trying to shake him off but as we've heard before in the Bonar book, the grip was too strong, <laughs> and there was no way that he could be shook loose. Right? <laughs> the grip was too strong. He was supposed to slow play. He was just. You could have got a lot more out of him. <laughs> I'm funny. I'm funny. It's, it's exactly that, right? I, because that's exactly the way we heard the story in the in the Bonar book, right? 
got an opportune moment, class bond, and then, you know, he was the one who who couldn't be shaken off by this worm entity. And now the Silverfangs are in here like, no, but our bite is too strong. We got the heart of darkness. And uh, and it dragged us into the darkness with it, and we were forever dead. You know, but, but Gaia missed us too much. <laughs> you know, she got I away. I hate you for doing that us. so good. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> so... So we were dead, and we were happy to make that sacrifice, but, uh, but, but Gaia was just so sad that, that the darkness couldn't allow her to be that sad. And it broke his heart, too. And, and no one said... And he let hang us... On, hang on. But let us come the back. The guy reading this book, these letters, he doesn't chime in here. Speaks to the past, was it like, what is this shit? He was like, yep. <laughs> hang on a second. Yeah. Hang on a second. Two guys ad hoc on a podcast can point out how ridiculous is this. Okay. Let, let me let me break this down to a, to a level of realism you can get behind. It's pretty cool that the wolf had an importance that no one could get it done but wolf. But is there a better way that could have they could have positioned themselves to be smarter, more in depth? Wouldn't it be wiser to say right. that all the animals did try to go in there, but it is the animal limitations that denied them the ability to do it? And could it be possible that prey animals couldn't think to go at the darkness and go down there? It was too alien to them; they couldn't think about it. But then, hmm. but then wolf. Wolf was always one low to the ground, primal, but it was balanced. Always the one tasked with, you know, feeding on the weak. And maybe you could say, came up with that. Their packs could smell sickness, and they were always tending to the herds. And this is what they did. And little, little lenience to that, to say that if they were the first wolf, and they were taught by the first wolf, right, first pup of the first wolf, great. But you remembered those tales. All the other wolves were howling to go at Gaia. Wouldn't have been a better story, story for them to sit back, hey, we dispersed. And we talk to all the animals and they're willing to gift us the opportunity to beat back the yeah. forces that will enable their talents to allow us to sneak in. Because you're going to want to highlight that leadership aspect at some point in your tribal history. If you have this idea of noblesse oblige, like you're destined to rule, it's your right you know, given to you by Gaia, then demonstrate that in your origin story. This is, for, this is the number you know, one please. flaw. I think of the authors in this book. When you want to tell a great tale, let it be great. Give it the ability to be great. Did you need to mention Yggdrasil? Not at all. What is it even doing here? Nope. Because it doesn't hold any weight. It goes nowhere. It's mentioned. It, it just serves to distract. And it's like, what's the point? Else. So you know other historical terms are thrown in a book? Great job, writer. And let's let's move on. I say that because it is a cry of like, if you're not going to do anything hot with it, why have it there? Considering there's yeah. a tribe called Geta Fenris that takes such shit for it having Norse mythology and appreciating strength and everything else. But wait a minute, Silverfang using Dre, like how many times are you going to go to that cultural piece and just, you know, that's just me. But this is how it happens, is it? Why'd you see it here? Oh, well, what do we attach from this? What are the common things about the Silverfang? Oh, they believe in pure breed all day long. And we know what other group did that in real life. Okay, yep. oh, but they mentioned Yggdrasil, Norse roots, and it goes to the Get of Fenris, so I'm like, eh, you need to keep that shit where it belongs in the Silverfang tribe book, right? That's, that's where you yep. saw that, and that's where it stays. But beyond that, to the story. So Wolf goes in, and where it gets good, where you're like, okay, they got me now. It bided its time and waited to witness a moment of weakness, which is what a wolf does. It's able to sense in the herd yep. the weakest to cull, and that's what it does. But darkness isn't necessarily weak, it's drunk with power. It's Gaia who's weakened, but then he shows, oh, it, it shows, well, it's a he, it shows a weakness when it's, oh, filled with the lust enjoyment of Gaia's loss of power that it's now taking in. 
but something powerful enough to drain Gaia of a Celestine of its power? Well, what are we really dealing with? And that's where the curiosity develops. That's the untold story. Mm. But it had a heart, mm-hmm. and the wolf jumps and bites it and won't let go. Well, the wolf had such strength that it could hurt and injure this entity, not a Celestine. We know this wasn't a Celestine, but what do we establish? Gaia's vulnerability, according to the Silverfang tribe, that she does have a weakness, that you can go and kill her, that you, or at least trap her. Right, you could at least like run around with a butterfly net and, and stick her under right. a tree. You could distract her with flowers and talks of dinner. I mean, that's what they highlight, right? Because they really do hammer home. That, Sing for right, me. Guy is like every level of page. It's we won't get into it, but they basically oh, always me save me, strong wolfing people. You know, it's like okay, great. So anyway, Wolf's squeezing and squeezing, and he dies in the process. But that's because as he was torturing, the the agony of the thing lets Guy go. I'm actually okay with that. It makes sense for me. Uh, oral heritage, right? Yep. Tell a story to kids. This is why we try. Why it teaches perseverance. It teaches anybody has a place if they can find what they can do. If there's a will, there's a way. Always try. Blah blah blah. All sorts of stuff of cool that you could put in there to get from the story. However, sacrifice is the point they have. They're hammering home here, and don't miss that. It's a which is the important that one. Silver yeah. Fangs believe that their duty. They, they believe in noblesse oblige. This is why I call them the venture of, of, of werewolves. It's the same shit talk that the Venture do. It's the burden of leadership. You think we want to do this? Look, look, we have to make the hard call, and we're the only ones willing to sacrifice to do it. But in Werewolf, them fight words. You're the only one to no sacrifice? I'll tell you what. I'm going to mention something. Begins with the C, ends with a Roanoke. All right? Let's... You don't know sacrifice, Jack. <laughs> You're still here. So let's just leave that where it is before we start talking about who can die for who. And uh, that's what it is. But it's a cool story for them because it talks about why they're... Fur's white. Who doesn't like yeah. that? They come back from death like you said. It's not how you said it. God, well, God, it's, it's so I, I'm okay with that. I, I'm I'm absolutely okay with that part. It's the it's the now we're half silent strider part that, that messes no. with me. Right? Because that was their me. gimmick. Guy misses me. <laughs> I'm walking around the land of death. Do, 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 do. Hey, dead people, how's it going? Hey, Jimi Hendrix, play us a song. Do, 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 do. Right? And out of nowhere, what happens? Guy's on the other side, working her new man, you know, death. Baby, yep. today would be better, but, you know, I just don't have my, my little white puppy. He's gone, my white-furred puppy. My feet are so cold, and he used to lay on them. <laughs> Only he could keep the wolves interesting. Can you, can you, you know? What do you think? And then death finally did the role that any guy in that role does. That's it. You'll shut up then. You'll shut up. Yeah. If I get, that's what you'll do. You, you swear. This is enough. This is enough. Okay, fine. Goes to it and boom. Here comes back the new white wolf. I, <laughs> we can make fun of that and we did and we will, but it's, it's one of those things where it's <laughs> like, you could take it at face value. By the way, this is one of my favorite tribes. I just want to help everybody understand that it is. It actually is, and uh, that's. Uh, but one of them is this: these these different contrasting stories that they offer up in sacrifice for you to do just what we're doing. When you can establish your intellect and logic to what the tribe's trying to tell you, and that these these stories serve as parables to teach you something, they teach you sacrifice. They teach you Gaia will never fail you. That's really the important part of that. That no matter what guy went through and what she needed you for or what goes on, she made you for a need as she did all the animal lords. They came to bat for her, but only Wolf could get it done. Sure, that's your story, but you're the ones telling the tale here. All right, fine. You came and did it, but you also established how Gaia didn't stop. Just because you saved her and she wasn't done with you. 
and knew of your existence and like a like like a mother would my dearest child my most honorable you know you, you get it back and that's and whatever you got to do she can humble herself to do that so she's not just a celestine they make her very very human relatable is what they do what's the danger with that to the red talons guy is, a, is is an earth entity right she is the source of life and does all these things but the wild is what it what she also begat us that like the wild is part of her and we don't question it it's because it's instinct not to question just to understand and move on right this is the way it is that's a wild aspect but then also nick you were hitting on a point that i want to circle back to and give you credence you said they're now considered half silent strider too yeah right but you were saying why why did you make that comment um because they now straddle the world between life and death right because they've already died mm -hmm. once that means they understand the ways of death that's that's literally how it's put in that in 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 the or how it's framed in in the aspect of the story they know the secret of gaia and the secret of death though that's the exact quote is it possible though that what you're hearing here is silver fang pride refusing to admit that it's the silent striders who came to death to open the door to let those ancestors back that they were missing. Remember that story the Silent Striders talk about? How Al warned the Silent Strider, don't go back, don't go there, it's bad. P things die, things end, that's the way it was made. Don't do that. But when the mm. door was opened up, certain amounts of ancestors were allowed to return and reunite, uh, certain others didn't. And they didn't make the cut, because some things should move on. And you begin to wonder, hmm, could it be that door was open and death sought Silverfang? Because they said the same thing to, to Silverfang as it kind of did to her, too. you got to run and not look back once this door's here. you got to run and get it, and there's a time limit and get the hell out. And that's all you're getting. You know, Bob, I, I think that's, uh, that's, that's giving the Silent Striders a lot of credit, where I think you would really want to give credit to Gaia, because she's the one who really cared about <laughs> Silverfang and missed him. Not the silent striders. It depends on what, what right. version of Gaia you want. Is it I'm so arrogant as a silver thing is to say that Gaia's just a vulnerable woman walking around bringing life to the world and picking petunias, or is Gaia a force of nature? She is the source of all. And in that source of all, she has many facets, but the one facet she cannot be, which would be her opposite, would be death itself. Note I didn't say the worm. Right? What's the one thing even God would fear that would be death? Because even one day, one time in existence, God too will be reaped. That is a cool adage made that's it's an awesome observation to state. That's some badassery. But when you think mm. about what death serves and functions, what was existence before the Big Bang? It was nothing. What is death if not a cessation? So therefore, we as beings of life would fear death above all else. It's the number one fear universally held by any person, animal, or thing. It is death. Now, that's great talk, but it's interesting when they give it to where Gaia can cry and whine to death. Can you please bring one back? Does that make more sense? Or does it make sense that this thing, this doorway, this thing guarding a doorway, said, listen, I'm willing to open the door for a little bit while the boss isn't looking. Right, I get it. You didn't know, and this is your one. But you need to run and do what you got to do because when the boss notices, you're got. Get in and get out. And then turn around and think of the story with Gaia. This is the only reason why I have that attachment. The wolf had to grab a plant in its mouth from a garden 
and run its ass out a door mm. to get to the other side, which turned it white. That's what it had to do. Yeah. And then they don't bring up the plant afterwards. Right. Well, this comes from that. Why? There's a Greek story that this is taken from. Right? All right. Well, touch me, sweet. Well, Bob I'm just Gita. saying when you point it out, because uh, the, the, the tale isn't exact in my head. I'll paraphrase. There's a story about death. Some woman dies, and, and to describe the reason why there's, like, seasons, right, is that while, she's, while, while winter is had, it's because she's serving time in Hades, and when she comes out, it's because of the period. Yeah, yeah. Like, right, something like that. The chick's allowed to come out and be in the sunlight, unless we have spring. They're, like, explaining the seasons, but yeah, using yeah, yeah. death to do yeah, it. Yeah. I, I remember this. This is where I'm... I vaguely remember this. Is this is all shades of what this is filled with. You know what I mean? Which we can tell the origin of it, like an idea of the inspiration. Great story. Cool story, bro. Thumbs up. But we're trying to do to the Gru Nation, when you hear about this, like, this can't be something, like, there's a Grand Concordant, or there's a Grand Moot, and it's just in the area, and they're like, okay, Silver Fang, awesome guy, you're here to tell us a story, you're at the helm, what are you going to do? I'll tell you the origin of our kind. It all starts with, and insert the last 20 minutes of the pod. How long before they're nipped, <laughs> things thrown at, and everything? Like, this is not something you whisper outside of the tribe, right? You're just sort of like, hey, my older said this. I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> who knows, right? It's like your old granddad talking about the good old days, and that's it. Or what they point out, Stanek was high as it gets when he said this stuff. It's not hard to let you judge. But apparently it was the good stuff. Anywho... Uh, we'll, we'll roll on, right? We did silver things come out, and that's why they're there. Yeah, yeah great. Sounds fantastic. And we, we beat, beat it to it death. To death but that's the... And then it came back because we right, missed right, it. Right, exactly. Uh, but then we wrote, let's roll to the Impergium. <laughs> this is another big point for, uh, for, for werewolves, right? Well, what, what was the Impergium all about? And I actually enjoy how this opens up, where they talk about a little more. Now we're at something with some thickness to chew on that they do in character, right? And i.e., this is where some scholars kind of get in the mix. Yeah. So, what do we have here? From their take, humanity distinguishes itself from the other beasts by learning to adapt to the wild's energies, and this would be the weather, folks, and by using the weaver's influences, yeah. fire, shelter, and spears, which they call alien technology. This is the, uh, right, which is strange enough to begin with. So this, uh, this is the first time I've seen them give mention to, like, where we're looking at yes. in, in a time frame as to where the Impergium is. Because they say the Ice Age is when man started to get out of control because they decided fire kept them safe from the cold. And they were like, where did this crazy technology come from? Wolves are afraid of fire, aren't they? Right? We get that. And uh, it would be alien to use a spear. We don't quite know what all is going on. But basically, man couldn't do it on their own, so they found a way to do it. And they call it the Weaver's Influence. Yeah. And, but they don't say... And they said, that, they said that the Ice Age was just the wild going out of control as well. Which is... Like it was a no. It's weird to say that, and I and not, not that you said it, yeah. but I got that too. Like the it's, the wild's not supposed to do it. It's well, it, right. it's weird to us because we know history. We know like this is what planets do, right? It's like these are phases it goes through. It was a great warm up. What do you want it to be? But that's not the point. The point is, from a wolf's perspective, when they're deciding that there's spirits that guide you, it's not like they make it seem like the wild was just, ah, oh, freeze the earth and do whatever. They didn't see it do it. This is how they understood it. It's super cold because the wild says it will be. So it is. But we got fur. We can yeah. survive it. All right. Well, um, man's really having a go of it. Yeah, he'll die. It's too weak. He'll be dead. Hey, you know, man's doing really good? What do you mean? Well, he's been killing wolves and skinning them, and the red talons went, what the fuck? 
Yeah, they've been killing wolves because you guys are so warm. So they were just smoking them and skinning them, and they're pretty good with it. I get a load of this. They wrap the hides around them. <laughs> right? Well, then, well, then, how are they breeding? Well, it, that's pretty simple too. They're actually taking female guru and other women uh, that are kinfolk to females, and they're just sort of mating with them because human women are too weak to help them survive. So they're breeding children that have a better. The Black Furies. We're done with that. We're going to go handle it ourselves. We're going to sort that out. It's all female guru turned on the human power mad males, as they called it, and started forming matriarchies, <laughs> and thus broke away from... Because at this point, they're saying all wolves are one, and this is how the tribes are forming. Red Talons get mad, they're stealing yep. fur. Black Furies, females are being, well, raped into, into whatever that is, and rightly they'd be pissed. Children of Gaia, though, complain of man's warlike ways. So wolves sit back going... We're watching right. men, and they're, like, killing each other for the right to have first crack at Black Furies, right? They're just smoking each other for that, and who has first <laughs> run at the herd when it comes to, like, they're treating wolves like herd animals. It's terrible. Oh, well, shit, we're going to go see if we could talk to them about that. Why? Because we're going to complain to them, not do anything about it, demeaning the children of Gaia as being, well, we're watching it, but we're going to see if they're yep. willing to take trade to stop raping, maybe. Meanwhile... There's anybody of intelligent goes, hey, how exactly do you choose a mating female? Is it just like you sniff around and she's like, okay, you'll do. And she lets you hop on or do you, well, we're wolves. Oh, it's different. But you're an intelligent wolf and you know what permissions are. Okay, yeah. we won't get into that. It's different when you're a werewolf. All right, cool. Um, then we get to the Shadow Lords. And all they say about the Shadow Lords is they complained oh, about geez. everything about mankind. So, <laughs> In general. In general. Yeah, just, ugh everything about them <laughs> what could you complain about them like you're sitting there as a wolf going these guys walking on two legs wearing the furs of wolves they killed oh look another spear you know we have to chase down that monkey that oh, threw feces look at, at you him. not growing hair around your eyes <laughs> they have an opposable thumb to pick the dingleberries off and wash themselves i can't believe oh they get that guy where's ours we're on all fours this is hot garbage <laughs> you know here's man going hey they could lick their own balls that must be nice. Hey, honey, he can lick his own balls. Did you notice that? If he gets a little dirty, self-cleaning, that's pretty useful. Like, pause to run and build... Wolves are cool, but they're really warm. Kill him. We could eat him tonight and wear his fur and honor him. Right? But that's not right. You know, stargazers were mad because, you know, humans weren't vegetarians. Whatever it is. So that's the... That's the... Yeah. So yeah. on and so forth. But basically, they're pointing out something. Silliness aside of us. And honestly, one-sided bigotry of them about the other yeah. tribes. That they're pointing out that the Impergium happened because mankind was getting out of control. That's the long and short of it. Uh, well, mankind was getting out of control according to every other yes. tribe. The Silver Fangs, on the other hand, were the ones to say, I hear you and I pass judgment. We will feed upon the predators. <laughs> and then they say, oh, thank you. Thank you. You've saved no. us. We're finally going to do the did you catch? Did you catch the part in the back door where they also go, well, we were breeding with the very best of men at the time. We were breeding with the kingmakers. <laughs> we were leading them. We were. I, I want you to know they point uh -huh. that in this book, too. Not here at the part of the Impergium, but later on they describe how even by back then by the Impergium, they were leading mankind down. They say the Weaver let them astray. And the Weaver's the one that did it, yeah. but really it's the Silver Figs going, man, she looking good in them monkey clothes. What's she got going on under them fur? Let's check it <laughs> out tonight. Cool, we'll breed with her. Boom! That's a king. Why, it's my son, it's a king. Nick, isn't that a king? That's a king. You can tell. Oh, yeah, he's got uh, white hair. 
Yep. He's got King. white hair. Is exactly right. All right, cool. We breed true <laughs> around here. Meanwhile, the Red Talons, they're killing wolves. Yeah, but they're your wolves. Right, that's the sort of thing mentality. Yeah, but that, that's you. I mean, that's what you people do. Ah, oh, they're taking women. Maybe it's your women. Like, you can't defend what you're... Like, I have no problem. I don't know what everybody's issue is. So they all come to the silver thing. Hey, firstborn, you're right. Let's do an impergium. Why? Because it doesn't hurt us. We still got our power bases. Well, let's get the rest of them in check. And then, like, this great badness happens, right? We know the impergium, and they're no different. They basically say, yeah, yeah. it sucked. It is what it is. But then... But then they talk about the Concord. This is where everybody gets together. Yeah. Right? And the Concord's this super sacred, hyper badass thing, right? It's like basically they said because humanity spreads like a, I'm quoting this, like a mad Malthusian tide. It grows beyond all control and spreads the worm's cancer with it. Our tribe bears the final glory or damnation for enforcing the Concord. What it's saying is... Yep. Yeah, we're doing the impergium. Nobly, go ahead, Nick. Well, it's 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 noblesse oblige, right? So it it so does this burden, of course, lay upon the shoulders of the kings, you know, it, because you know they made the call uh, on the advice of all the other tribes to start this impergium, but also once all the tribes realized they made the terrible mistake, it was up to the leadership of the Silver Fangs to put an end to it, along with you know, of course, the the wisdom and guidance. Of fire burden falcon. So, what they fail to understand back then, and I'm going to beat this drum again because it's the truth in my eyes. The fact is, is that mankind embodies all aspects. Worm, weaver, and wild. They're all in a nutshell. They're right there. The werewolves learn to be what they are by studying mankind at an intimate level. They bred with... Because think mm. about it. Adversity develops adaptability. This is what they're talking about. When everything was equal, yep. we're all in Pangea and we're all the wolves running around with the animal lords. You didn't need anything to worry about. But when mankind comes in the scene, they're like all in one. They seem weak, but give them time. And they could outbreed that weakness and come up with a way to adapt to it. And adaptation's there. So what do you think happened with the Impergium? You had several different tribes suddenly going, hey, there are some humans worth preserving that are worthy of our seed. And we'll grant them our genetic bliss. And we'll, we'll make defenders from them. And we will, we will exchange that. And we will make some badass people. It's still people you're helping survive to be breeding stock to move forward. Do you think they didn't adapt? You're granting them the protection to see how you are. And then their ingenuity is still there to survive themselves. And man has always done that. They've always produced forward and done yeah. better. So now, as they describe it, they're a mad Malthusian tide. That have grown beyond all control. Because you had 13 tribes going... Hey, most of mankind sucks. Screw them. We'll come and call them. But these guys are cool. Meanwhile, while they're turning and facing this tide over here, they're ignoring that purebred tide they created behind them because they gave them their blessing. Well, now it's too late and we got to do something. Well, they meet with the, with the spirits. They have a great concordant and firebird spirits are recording the messages and they all go to Pangea to, to revert to their most primitive self in the purity that it is. So that only the truth may be spoken, yep. and all the animal spirits come out, and all the tribes are present, the Celestines are there, and everyone gets to make their arguments regarding if the Impergium should continue or not at this Concord. And it was the Silver Fangs who stepped forward and ended all argument by saying it has to end. Yep. However, they don't tell you why. They don't, they don't say what the great reason for the ending is, other than the fact that 
Well, it's a good point that as the as mankind grows, the it spreads the worm's corruption because they they're housed in mankind as well. However, we also have a suspicion that it'll be mankind that denies the worm at the end. That's what they're not saying. That by us stopping them, the worm would be yet another adverse condition that mankind is saddled with, and it will be men that find a way to defeat the worm, not Guru. I.e., the silver fangs put their eggs in one basket and said, we got to get out the way, and hopefully they find a way to deal with the worm. We're too few. However, as it says, it's to their final glory or their damnation for enforcing the concord. It means, in this gamble, mankind's going to win or they're going to lose. But we know it's called Werewolf the Apocalypse, folks. Right? Let me yep. bring some names. Pentex. And we didn't win. The Silver Fang gamble didn't work, um, as, as they're saying. And the tribes are going to let them wear a burden-heavy crown. Yeah, absolutely. We hope you can't move. Because pointing this out, absolutely, buddy. <laughs> your idea was like the worst of it. And, and it only begins, right? But then we get the War of Rage, which arguably is the second worst idea that, the, <laughs> that ever happened, ever. The other, the other terrible idea. It's so idea. bad, right? The War of Rage comes about because, well, it's a war. Well, like all wars, this didn't just happen in a vacuum. And, and they even point this out here. Where, what are we, children? Folks want to say that the War of Rage was caused because the Silver Fangs jumped up and told some old bear, the Garal, hey, tell us the secret of how to defy death because you have a gift that lets you do that. And if you don't, it's curtains. And then this great brawl happened because of it. Well, of course that doesn't make sense. However, what does make a little more sense? The Garal and Bastet were using mankind for their reasons to grow and, and defend and do whatever, but against all comers, i.e. territory grab and whatever. That's the accusation laid to them. The Korax was stealing secrets of the Guru, secrets not meant for them, as is their nature, and the one tribe that takes the greatest offense they claim would be the Shadow Lords, because Crow is a great spirit and a totem for them, and is not a Korax. Uh, the Crow knows secrets, but those are its secrets. You have to earn them from Crow, and thus it's pure, where Korax is the thief, right? And uh, However, we know that's a Silver Fang perspective. The Nuisha are great tricksters, but they almost trick Luna out of being in the lives of werewolves, as they highlight. Like, damaging some great thing, and then so on and mm. so forth. Everyone does it. You could even sit here and go, what did the Rokia do? Their selfishness in only defending the sea denies the aspect of them helping out with their great strength on land to kill the worm. They won't participate in that. The land could all be swallowed by the ocean, then the, they're going to care. But until then, who gives a damn about them? And they feel the same about all life uh, that, that walks. So, so on and so forth. So this War of Rage is actually because um, there's just not enough territory. Can we admit that? That the land gets to the point where there's so many humans and we've all specially bred with all the specially bred humans and eventually the land is just too close for the protectorates we have. Miles upon miles that we want our kinfolk to be on in our special areas. And they more or less highlight there was more to this war starting than any one thing can be cited. At some point a battle for dominance was going to happen. Some shapeshifter group wanted to say they're on top, and they took it to the wolves, but we're pack animals that have been hunting as pack animals since it began. So when you took us on, we showed you what war was. And we had two tribes that were the biggest shit kickers in the War of Rage than any other that the Silver Fangs were there shoulder to shoulder with. And those two tribes were the Get Offenders and the Red Talons. You took this personally to the Red Talons by trying to say your territory was more important. What wolf isn't going to die to defend what's theirs? And the Red Talons are the personification of that aspect, Lupus. When it comes to um, the Getafenris, a test of strength, who was stronger? 
I can we do we have to even your yep will suffice for me when it comes to any other tribe they have their take on it but they also have their regret you know the two tribes that don't have a great regret for it the get offenders and the red talons they have camps that are like you know that sucks that happened but you know such is the way it is the way right that's they're not wrong this is battle for dominance don't step up your shape changing shape changing cows and shape changing bats should have damn well known better (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're going to defeat wolves. Pray tell how. Can we just look at your kin? Let's look at the bat. Yeah, it flies. Doesn't go on the ground unless it screws up. Then it's going to climb the wall and try again. But what happens if it falls to the ground? Oh, you're susceptible to every other predator in the area. I will imagine that. Do you sleep clinging to rocks? Yeah, we don't. We're wolves. When you land, we're the one that eats you. Yeah, or, or a deer. <laughs> a deer could eat a bat. <laughs> like anything. Anything can eat up bats. So it's, it's one of those logics that you're like going, I, I appreciate that's in there to be debated, but even they say, who the hell knows what sparked that war and why it happened? We just know we won, and we're supposed to hold a great guilt to it? Hey, don't step up. You won't get knocked down. Where's that? You could have asked for anything, but you bared claw and tried to say what's yours is yours, and we showed you what it's like to get your ass mopped up on the field of combat. Just speaking as a silver fang here, March on. Soldiers won. Let's move, right? I like it because that's as bitter of a pill of truth for any. I'm a fan of Bastet. Per kitty, pet kitty. Yeah, knocked out kitty, dead <laughs> kitty. Get the hell off of get turf. Get away from the red talents. Don't worry. The silver things you can befriend. And what did they say? You can be here for 24 hours. Tell us an entertaining story. But if we can't help you, please depart. And by the way, we're the educated ones. Push. I got a silver clay with your name on it. Let's just figure this out. And that's not to say our dick is bigger than yours, other than to say, what do you expect from wolves? They have an alpha hierarchy and an instinct to do just that. For them, it's a purity to battle for their territory and turf built in every bit as it would be for a predatory cat. Mm. And you would think you would get that. But we understand that's not interesting as writers. And so we're pointing that out. A lot of people want to say the writers were wrong to put this in. You need a bias to argue. You need a group to have kind of a, this is a point of contention for the others that go, these bullying ass silver fangs, do you see what they did? And you need something for the Shadow Lords, who I also love playing, to go, these silver fangs are out of line. You know, if we were in charge, we just would have had a meeting. We would have met with an old bear and said, hey, would you mind if, like, maybe we could have took squares? Maybe the Garal could have been the landlords and let the Red Talons pay a little rent and, like, be beehive honey. How about that? Apiaries. We'll teach... Whoever wants to live. Perhaps we'll just tax you instead of killing you. Right, which is complete bullshit. When a Shadowler gets in charge, well, we know how that goes. The Margrave Kanitsko is an idea of a great Shadowlord. (laughs) And and that's that. But I digress. We, uh, heavily, actually. So so that's also the War of Rage, right? A little realism, breath of fresh air, but also bias there. Um, They go to Byzantium, the Russian Revolution, and and, and all that. But I want to go ahead and point out... The Children of Karnak is an interesting story here, but it only bears a personal truth. I had one time used the Children of, of Karnak in a story to provide humor and an understanding mm-hmm. of the spirit world. A chance for someone to go in the past and see the corruption of the worm and what it does. Children of Karnak, to the Silver Fangs, they, they were spiritual, they were, they were birdmen is the best way to put it. And they were considered worshipping yep. Helios in a temple. Long story short, something comes along with a hunger stone and can instantly corrupt them leading wolves to try to save them, blah, blah, blah. And there's a story there. Why I bring that up? Because the Silver Fangs actually mentioned in their tribe book is a failing of them. That in Byzantium, we weren't able to do anything about this. That's terrible in that time. 
this is the important fact from there. Now, why mention it? Because the Silver Fangs at this mm. point, when you look at the tribe book, are basically going through and saying, Stanek's now bringing up stuff that he's rifling through and seeing that are just failure after failure after failure, justifying a censor Horano. This is where yep. I argue that Firebird Chalice was corrupted before he drank it. This isn't highlighting the good, hopeful, we might be able to turn it around. It's basically telling you the victories of the worm. Through a sense of bias. War of Rage. Yeah, we're not really upset about it. But here's the reality behind it. Um, oh, uh, that's, an, that's an interesting take. Because the way that he kind of ended his, his letters seemed to be a call for, for urgency on the coming apocalypse, right? He said, if we don't get our shit together, we won't be able to lead after the apocalypse. Not like now in the coming war of apocalypse. He means like after all the shit has hit the fan and it's smeared all over everything and the flies have come. <laughs> Who's going to pick up the pieces afterwards? We need to have our shit together so we can and handle I argue, that. How can you not argue? I point out this. When I talk about the Russian Revolution, this is actually the coming of Baba Yaga. Right? This is the Shadow mm. Curtain itself. And this is like the final the, the yep. dagger, right? What we're referring to here is uh, in that they talk about the fact that there's some vampire that shows up and they have some type of way about them. Like, they're trying to figure out, should we smoke it? Should we not yep. smoke it? It gets brought up to the Silver Fang, I believe, House Crescent. And they're trying to make this decision. Wisely, they put the word out. We want the wise people. We want all the wise people. We want everybody over here. This vampire's talking about knowing where a Black Sparrow Karen is and they're willing to flip on it. And we can eradicate it and get it out of here. Right out of Russia, we're going to cut the heart out of it. Yeah. But we're not going to yeah. be stupid. We want everybody to come up with, and that's reserved. So they, they have the strength to where the children of guy who said, listen to these guys, and it's important it was the children of guy who said, listen to them, said, hey, come over here. We know, we know yeah. where this, this, this spiral is, but we'll lead it. We'll go in. Don't worry about it. We'll go in and check it out. We'll give you field reports. And damn right you will, said House Crescent, because you're the ones who said, trust this leech, and we want to smoke it. So, all right. Now we have a force in reserve and a force that goes with, and a united huge united uh, werewolf effort well the force that goes in is dancing the fucking spiral the climate it's everything that happened to the bsds right because they mentioned going through the circles and getting yep. to a point so that group yep. inside is foobar they're already done whatever's going on in there is forcing them to go to a very dark place and and they're never coming out once that once that path begins as we know well damn but they are getting word out right somehow they're getting word out to the line and they're like, yeah, they're reporting Nexus crawlers down there, which would make sense. But we had the strength to crush several times over that threat, so we weren't worried about it. So they had the strength to just blow mm. off one of the one of the greatest adversaries a werewolf Karen can fight. And and it makes sense though to them. It's good this vampire came up because that threat's there. We'll eradicate it. This is going down. And then a Zmi erupts and awakens from this spot and comes out of nowhere. Yep. And what a Zmi is, folks, is a dragon. They mentioned there are only seven of these terrible beasts that once stomped on it, and the Silver Fang Claws killed one of them back in the day to great sacrifice. Killed one, trapped right? another. Right, so they got a good record so far. So far. But that force there, smashed. Just, just destroyed. Gone. It came out and just kicked them back to the Stone Age and decimated the Crescent House. House Crescent was done when that came out of there. They, their strength never recovered from this. Such was the blow. And it was the greatest feint that Baba Yaga's army ever did as an opener. Because, well, we reviewed the Russian book, right? We did Rage Across Russia. If you recall that, there were rituals and rites that talk about mm -hmm. this very event. 
and <clears throat> what happened to them, they couldn't do anything about it. What they're hammering home here from the Silver Fang perspective is that they see this and they're like, well, that sucked. Yeah, what can we do? This is a sign of the times. Like, we, we just can't get it together. However, if their slaughter didn't prepare them for the Shadow Curtain, and it didn't, then let's look at the other fact. There was a very political thing going on where the Red Talons agreed to grant the children of Gaia a certain peace treaty with man. Out here in Russia, they existed in a tentative peace where the growth of man, yep. Red Talons were watching close and said, we got to call them. They're tapping into dangerous things. We got to call them. Don't let them do what they're going to do. Stop them from doing it. And the children of Gaia said, no, no, they're, trust me, it's to the good of the people. They're here to do it for the good. Yeah, we got this. And then, out of nowhere, a nuclear bomb was detonated in a test site on Russian soil. Well, this nuclear bomb tears apart the spirit world, howling agony for Gaia, poisons the land all around, destroys turf, destroys water sources, eradicates forests and worse. All this stuff happens. Well, the Red Talons don't wait to be told that they can go ahead and kill the children of Gaia now. They just step up and start slaughtering the children of Gaia. I'll let you be the judge yep. of who's right, but in my opinion, I told you, Great King, this is a problem, and you're a Silver Fang. We need to do something about this now. Look what they're doing. We know what they're courting. Man has this in their head that they're gaining in power. Can you please do something? All right, we'll do something. Children of Gaia, nay, nay. We need them to develop. To do they have to... Blah, 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 peace, blah, 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 guy, and blah, 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 help. They're so close to hugging each <coughs> other. Like, I saw a longing look from one eye to another. I just feel like we can get them to and hug. Then, and then it doesn't. But this is the backdrop of that, uh, that Russian conflict in the story, right? Is that, that that's, that's what's ongoing. They still, it, they, they honor it. It's a great internal issue for players or a story to try to heal that gap in order for them to fully throw out the Baba Yaga and the Army of Night. That's, that's what's everything yep. that's great about that book, and I like that they honor it. This book doesn't forget that conflict, but it points up in the only way they can do it, which is shoulder shrug and, hey, House Crescent isn't there anymore to tell us what's going on. And, and whatever's left of them is trying to survive on that side. We, you know, hey, what do you want us to do? That's, that's an effect to have it down. Last but not least are the two final points, I promise. Um, Nick, what is the structure that they throw through, though, for Silverfang? I think they have, have it pretty well in this book. Um, what's your take on it? Um, between the, the, the two yep. lodges. Um, I like the... Uh, well, I'm not really 100% sure on what, to, on what to think about that. Uh, it, it's always kind of strange having Silverfangs be like the guys who kind of run a little bit on Helios. And are not so much on Luna. Everyone else, uh, all the other tribes, are just straight down the line dedicated to Luna. And they're like, yeah, but the majority, they say, by more than half, like 66%, are our house, uh, the, the Sun Lodge. And then the, uh, the rest are over in the, uh, in the Moon Lodge. And it, it represents more than just like a fealty to a Celestine. It also represents a code of conduct. If if you kind of notice, you know the the sun thing being about uh, you know honor and and duty and and things like that, and then you know the uh, the moon lodge being more about mysticism and spirituality makes sense, right? Of course, the uh, the moon side is going to be the more spiritual side, but also kind of gives you an idea as to as to the the general philosophy of you know silver fangs in general, 
if if you can take that their 66 percent about courage <laughs> honor and duty and you know like 30 percent about uh about you know spirituality you know it obviously kind of puts them in uh in this uh this weird space where you know they're not the uh the secret master tenor or anything like that they're they're meant to to kind of be the leaders by example as they would see it of the uh of the tribes what what i, what um, I enjoy about that statement you have there i think it pretty much lays out the fact that they're they are black and white and that's another way of looking at law it's another way of looking at order therefore the philodox this describes best the silver fang tribe and this is because Helios, mm. the Lodge of the Sun, is, is based... Helios is the Celestine, the patron of Silverfang Law. That's what they have there, right? Falcon is under yep. his regime. Yeah, like they right. came up and with And Falcon's it. under yeah. his regime, and that's why they're there. But that's also what they use to justify their order, right? And like you said, there's, but they're also the ones who are supposed to deal with humanity and all things in the physical realm. Right? That's, that's what they outline. This also brings up a certain duality into itself right so we deal with the physical and the spiritual as two different things we have passion and mysticism for yeah. the moon and luna like you talked about yeah. but here's another thing you've seen and i'm gonna help everybody out it's star wars we have another thing based on duality uh, we're sith minded uh -oh. for the moon we're jedi <laughs> for the other you know what i mean that's the same aspect of it and that's where it comes from but that's that's easily to help you digest but all under one tribe yes passion's not bad if it's yeah. tempered is what it comes down to bottom line yeah and that's and that's what it's highlighting but it's interesting that they have two sections like basically why divide at all would be the question right and and almost to the point where they say like we've done without camps um maybe it, like almost instead of camps exactly. they have houses and traditions. so it's it's kind of strange in that aspect to it but you know they're like well we don't really have camps we have the sun side and we have the moon side and uh, and never shall the two meet because if you if you dare cross over from one then that hit of honor for uh, for not sticking to your guns is just gonna it's gonna get you so bad you have to stick to one and side ever back to that whole that house thing right we don't have camps we have houses but there were 13 houses there were 13 tribes there were 13 houses there were 13 houses now there's 13 tribes now there's not now there's only seven what are the most important ones to yep. you, you think? And, of course, they go through the, every flavor of the house where we're running low on time here. Um, we're not going to dive into yeah, the house. Yeah. The most famous of the house is House Wormfoe. I've said at the beginning. Trust me, you'll see it there. Um, but to have that level yep. of just uh, separation and then, you know, even more compartmentalization for what happens is interesting. But why they have the houses is because they're separated by region. But each region has its own head of house. So, why? Yeah. Because leaders need to lead somewhere. They need to have territory to govern over. That's what you have. And that's the long and short of it. But, oh, my crazy tinfoil hat theory. 13 houses and down to 7. Um, this is everything to tell me uh, that what you had here was that at one time, they, could, they were calling themselves the whole book one tribe. When they started to become divisive, it's territory split that happened. There's only one Earth, folks. So, when it was Pangea, we were as one. Mm. As Pangea separates, right? As, as you know, class will tell, geology will tell you. It becomes different areas. Well, suddenly now we have 13 houses and 13 differing tribes. So was it regional? Or was it the fact that people changed, the landscape changed, we changed with it? What is it that happened? But in every situation, they tried to say, the Silver Fangs led every single one. Well, you did until you only have seven houses now. Other tribes took over is really the long and short of it. 
that those other houses aren't there mm. because of the tribes are there now. Well, they have reason to say, well, Bob, maybe you're not right because we have all sorts of reasons why there were other houses and what happened to them. And we have that in here. But I'm like, okay, I'm looking from a design aspect. When you're t- why the number 13? Why only seven work? Where is that coming from? Why work that in? I, I don't know. I, I honestly think that the creators were very big on numerology. <laughs> you know, I, I, seven and 13. It's always got to be like that. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, as, as I see it, because you have the clans that were built that way with that high number, and then it gets triaged down, and then less is more, tons of story. It's just another way of doing it. And I honestly think Double Dip Duty was a commonality back in the day. You know, this is all RIP. Let's work on it. We got that there. But how do we make it more interesting since yep. they're all pretty much the same style and makeup, but different horror entity? Therefore, it's got to have differences, severe enough to warrant that, uh, that, that divide, which is what I enjoy about it. This is really why I like World. To me, it's just like Vampire, you know, an aspect of its creational thought. Um, obviously, the content's vastly different, um, but it has tons and tons of politicking. Um, an incredible amount. I, I would argue there's more politicking in Werewolf that players get to be a part of because it's not it's not it, great yeah. historical things that you will never influence or be a part of. Those are old axes to grind that tribes still have that you carry the torch on when you're a player to decide what part you're taking in and that actively working against it or with it. Whereas the old World of Darkness mm-hmm. when it comes to vampires it said it's like yeah whatever some old dude had a problem with some ancient blah 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 not me I'm different. Why? Because I could live forever. I could start my own. I don't have a timeline to worry about. Werewolf makes that different. Patriotism's going to be a strong point for any group of people alive in the now to govern the future of their people. It's a cooler aspect. And that's where tribes come from. And to me, that's why they, they, they work so well. Um, when it comes to madness, though, I want to highlight this. Silverfing madness. They listed people say it's inbreeding. People say it's spiritual crime. However, they're adamant in saying it's not due to worm taint. What do you think? I I, I think uh, I think both of those are worm taints. So I it's, I mean that's a that's a great perspective, of course. Um, why would anyone choose uh, the tainted amongst them to be their leader? Of course, you're going to say it's not worm taint. Um, but uh, I mean, we've had example time over time over time over time, tribe by tribe by tribe by tribe. Uh, and Guru Nation as a whole, of all the different ways in which they've obviously dropped the ball in ways that could be construed as uh, as worm tainted. So to say that they're not, I, I think is, uh, I mean, they have to be. Or, or you could say you could be you could be as prideful as the Silver Fangs and say no, that's just the uh, the uh, the ever changing aspect of Gaia presenting itself inside our spiritual uh you know uh, codification of our uh of of our tribe <laughs> but no it's worm taint knuckleheads of course here's it the is. here's the truth of it um the aspect that inbreeding can be the season of madness well if there's su- if they could suffer that so does any other tribe what do you think it means to breed with the same in- kinfolk in and out right the same style eventually inbreeding should be a function of everybody but it's not because you're not the same species Right, it's considered kinfolk are human and werewolves are guru, and that that's that's why that genetic yeah. in, impurity doesn't exist. That's why guru don't mate with other guru because you get a genetic impurity, which which would be metis, but it guarantees a metis. That's the whole problem with that level of inbreeding. What they're really saying is that the silver fangs are super selective and only pick the traits of upper leadership for it. 
it also is high claims from Shadow Lords of them brother and sister mating and, you know, your sister's kinfolk, but you're the king and a guru, so then you still justify it and you're keeping it in-house. That level of same. Yep. You know, all that inbreeding could be on a supernatural scale is there. That's where they get the flack from. Um, I don't agree with that. I think the mentality of pure breeding itself is the corruption. Well, it's the hubris of it, right? So it's the idea that you have the the, the know-it-all on what on what the best uh, selection is, and you have rights to it. You know, it's uh, it's uh, it's 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 chosen by you. That's uh, that's your your stock to choose from, and no one else's. Um, you know, it's it's the same argument you get from the Bonars right from the beginning. Well, we'll never have the 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 choice, you know, people the wolves to breed from because those go to the silver fangs. Um, it's that that is the that's the worm taint in my opinion that has infected them. Maybe the madness is just the the manifestation of it, but it's the pride and hubris of the silver fangs that brings the madness. I think that's not even a question. It's- this Um, this madness is easily understood as the same madness they said that caesars developed back in rome that over time the emperor is the most insane absolute power corrupts absolutely you can do whatever you like and the silver fangs have held that torch a long time but it goes worse than that they mention here historically condemned by their own wording that when it comes to something like rome they were leading men in the open once upon a time this is before the enforcement of the veil they were ensuring that they were the ones yep. winning. They were the ones with the tribal power. And that a lot of worlds were doing it, and they were condoning it, and they were one of the worst of it. They were out there doing it. Until Rome fell, is how they said it. That's what they did, which yep. leads to the argument. You knew Rome was corrupt. 100% the Silver Fangs knew. Which means you left the Fianna to die. Right? You left them to handle their business. You left to get to sort it out. You left them out there to face this Fomori army knowing they were there, but you wouldn't give up your power enough to lend aid and assistance. You left it where it is. And you knew the get were already out there, so isn't that enough help? And you also knew that the White Howlers have that as a territory. And, you know, the Howlers have never been around you to get along, so who cares? You know what we never heard in, in the previous books? We never heard the, uh, the, the Britannias talking about the, uh, the, the Roman silver fangs not helping them. It was always the vampires down right. in Rome that that were that were beseeching him. It was never the the silver fangs in Rome turning their their blind eye to him. And then there's another damning thing: of all the tribe books mentioned, they clearly state the Roman soldier that killed the last of the White Howlers, that he walked the spiral, turned around, and killed them. Well, we know where that info was. The only place it was stored at was the Chronicles of the Black Labyrinth that tell that tale. In this tribe book, they mention mm. it clean and clear and mention a name. So I posit, they say, well, it's absolutely non-worm taint, and I'm back Nick's opinion. They are completely full of shit. That's the madness. That you think you're the one tribe so pure to be above worm taint and it doesn't happen? This is ever bit the corrupting yep. influence of Silver Fang. And the final piece of evidence, when you look at how Swarmphone understand everything that went wrong with Jacob Morningkill, whose descendant is now King Albrecht, and how he held so hard to being the one in charge and tried to deny King Albrecht his glory every chance he got and led to Arkady being somebody who was the rival of Albrecht running for the silver crown that would make them the leader of the Silver Fangs, blah, blah, blah. They tell that tale beautifully, but what they're really talking about is a battle for power, which is why to this day King Albrecht could give a shit less about where you come from and who you are tribal-wise. 
he cares that you can unite to face the true enemy, which is the worm. And they built that in canon mm. to rally around something to justify that here is the good guy leaving the good fight. And this is your actual leader that's trying. However, every other tribe has to go through a similar crucible to get there. But he knows, especially he knows, that in Silverfang tribe, there is still far too much corruption for them to unite as a whole to do that. That makes this a great tribe to play, in my opinion. There's always going to be something for you to do. It's some crusade to pick up and some internal thing to work on to better and strengthen their position against the apocalypse, which is what you're really supposed to try to survive, thwart, and move on. And actually, I'll just say survive. I agree with your take, Nick, that this is all about them saying, we got to do something to survive the apocalypse, which is what Stanek was getting at. Yep. But all that said, um, there is obviously a lot more detail than we're given here in the tribe book itself that make it worthwhile getting. I feel all three questions were answered already. Yes, anybody new can pick up this book and get a lot of detail about how to play a Silver Fang so much. It's more or less saying, how do you want to play your Silver Fang? Then this is the standard play of the Silver Fang, which is always great. It supports the creative mind to create what they want to be a part of in there. I think also, when it comes to the usefulness of this book to the, to the modern, absolutely. You don't get super heavy detail about what to do uh, to, to be a part of a tribe in, in Werewolf 20 when it comes to that. They give rules and condense and gifts in one place and a whole bunch of cool stuff to make it mechanically easier to do and better to run. But this still serves to be a seeded book that speaks volumes about what you could focus on and what you have here to this point. What do you think, Nick? I agree with you on the W20 aspect. Uh, I mean, it's it's meant to be a consolidation of, of game mechanics and, uh, you know, the whatever 20 plus years prior of, uh, of, of history and story. Um, I'm a bit iffy on this one, I'll be honest with you, on the can you pick up this book and play a silver fang out of it. Um, it gives you the base details. And it gives you arguments on, on kind of the history of it. Uh, and it gives you some, some great ideas for characters, right? Uh, canon and, uh, and, and templated. Uh, is it going to be preferable over later books? That's the big question. Like, is it going to be, is it better than second? Well, we can't edition? do that. And here's why. Um, right, right, I'll, I'll you there. I didn't, I didn't make that a clear statement. I thought that was a given. I'll state that. Why I didn't say over other editions? You can't say it. We haven't read them yet. Well, we, we've read them, but we haven't reviewed them yet to have everybody weigh in on whether this is useful or not. But I'm going to tell you, what, what you can say from here, is this is the Silver Fang different from the Red Talon, different from any other tribe book we've done so far? Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So it hits that mark. So you could pick this up, read what Silver Fang's all about, and read that's a lot of drama. But clearly, we get an aspect of what you want to play. Now, the revised, is that going to be better? Who knows? We assume that in a revision, there's an improvement. We'll find out when we get there. Uh, but with that, everybody, um, enjoy the book as much as we do. If you already have it, we hope you liked it. And uh, tune in next time when we'll, we'll head over another try book. I believe we'll reveal that when we get to it. There's, a, there's decisions to be made on exactly which book. Um, but it's around the corner, and it is another try book. we got a rush yeah, ambo for it. Um, uh, but thanks, everybody. <laughs> and uh, we'll tune in next time. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you like what you heard and would like to support us, please leave a review or share it with friends. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.